John 16.33. You got that, that sermon study guide this morning? As we dive into to God's Word, we've been preaching throughout the summer uh, on favor living. I don't know about you, but I want to have God's favor, not His disfavor. I want to have His blessing, not His curse. There's no middle ground in this. You're either walking in blessing, favor, or you're walking in disfavor. You're walking under God's curse. We invite you to come on the blessing side this morning. And let's continue to explore how to walk in God's favor, favor living. And seemingly, God's been writing my sermons the last three weeks because a, a sub-series that I never planned on, having to do with standing, has developed the last three, and this will be the final of the three, uh, this morning as I preach a word entitled, Keep Standing to You This Morning. Oh, have you ever had trouble greet you first thing in the morning? You ever woken up first thing? I mean, first thing when you open up your eyes, you wake up to trouble. Uh, a, young, a young mommy, a young mommy woke up and was startled as her bedroom light came on, and there was Junior walking in with a cup of hot steaming coffee for his mommy. And all the mommies go, aww. And as he brought up the hot, steaming cup of coffee to mommy, what did she notice inside the coffee cup? It was Junior's plastic toy army men. Junior's green plastic army man jammed in her cup of coffee. And she said, honey, honey, what have you done? Why do you have all your army men in, in my cup of coffee? He said, Mommy, don't you know the best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup? <laughs> Trouble! On February the 15th, February the 15th, 1947, Glenn Chambers never realized that he'd be flying into trouble. On February the 15th, 1947, missionary, missionary Glenn Chambers was taking his first missionary post in Ecuador. And just before he boarded the plane to Ecuador, he thought, I'm going to write a quick note to my mother. And, and he didn't have a postcard. He didn't have a stationery. So he grabbed the first thing he could. He, he grabbed a, a magazine. He ripped a page out of that old magazine, never realizing what was on the back of that page. He wrote a quick note to his mother, put it in an envelope, mailed it out to California. Glenn Chambers never arrived in Ecuador. His plane slammed into a Peruvian mountain and all perished. After the funeral, Glenn Chambers' mother was going through her mail, and lo and behold, here's a letter from her son on the last day of his life. And she opened it up, and when she took out the magazine page, she took out the side that Glenn Chambers, her son, never saw, and it had one big bold, black, and white word. The one word that was on that page was this word, why? Why? 
Why? Why? I'm looking into the faces of people this morning. And I've walked with you through some tough valleys. Others that I do not know, but I know you too have walked in some hard places and you all might be asking the same question, why? We dealt with this last week. We've discovered that troubles in life are unavoidable. Troubles prove that you're a card-carrying member of the human race. Amen? The day you stop running into troubles, you better check your, your pulse, your heartbeat. The only people with all their troubles behind them are the dead and school bus drivers. That's right. Some are slow in the take. Jesus even agreed with this. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will, you will, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What was Jesus saying? In me, you can keep standing. Stay in me. Trust in me. Look to me. Count on my promises. In me, you can keep standing. This was the story of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first seven deacons. God mightily used Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. Stephen had a powerful preaching ministry, a powerful healing ministry, a powerful miracle ministry. And God was glad, but the devil was mad. And the religious leaders in Acts chapter 6, you need to go home and read Stephen's story. In Acts chapter 6, the religious leaders, they, they arrested Stephen. They falsely accused him on trumped up charges. Uh, he was given a kangaroo court trial. He was found guilty. He was threatened with the first rock festival. Not a firing squad. I'm talking about a stoning squad. You see, Stephen knew that being a Christian does not, does not exempt you from trouble. And troubles are not a sign of God's disfavor. In fact, if you're in the midst of trouble right now, it could be the sign, it could be the sign, it could be the number one indicator that you're smack dab in the center of God's will. God is glad and the devil is mad. And if you don't believe me, ask Job or Joseph or Daniel or Esther, Stephen. And it's not a matter of if trouble comes, it's a matter of when trouble comes. And how does God want us to, to respond to trouble? He wants us to keep standing. And after doing everything, keep standing. Keep standing in Him and keep standing for Him, no matter what. This morning, I want to reveal to you three Bible ways God wants us to keep standing. Pray with me this morning as we keep standing in Him. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us, O Spirit of God, ears that hear and hearts that receive, O God. In the name of Jesus, help us, O Lord. To hear the word of the Lord this hour. In your name, amen. This morning, keep standing against the storms of life. 
Would you agree with me? Troubles and tragedies, they come in all shapes, sizes, and seasons of life. Maybe it's not getting that promotion that you were seeking. Maybe it's not closing the big sale, the big contract you've worked so hard on. Maybe it's not qualifying for a loan on your dream home. And then there's the heavies when it comes to trouble. Losing your job. Facing major surgery that was unexpected. Being victimized in a crime. Then there's the tragic ones. Being served divorce papers. The doctor sitting down with you and using the big C word, cancer. Or saying the final goodbye to a spouse as we close the lid on the casket. And you say farewell for the last time. Whatever it is, no matter the winds of, of trouble and tragedy, that are wanting to crush you, trouble has the potential to derail you and wreck your faith. Trouble is uniquely designed when it comes from hell to immoral, demoralize you and immobilize you and paralyze you in your faith with God. If Satan cannot remove you from following Jesus Christ, then he can at least paralyze you and nullify you. That's his intention. How are we supposed to respond to trouble? It's imperative that you understand God's plan behind trouble. Write it down. God often brings trials into our lives to produce persevering faith in Him, which refuses to bend or bow, but keeps standing in Him no matter what happens. James the Apostle said in James 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Circle that word. Perseverance. Endurance. Literally, patience under stress. Faith that keeps standing no matter what. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Did you see that there? Amen. I need some young bucks. I need some young bucks. I need some young bucks to help me right now. Pastor is searching for some strong, healthy, athletic, trim, slim, fit young bucks, and I see them up in the balcony. Before I call out your names, because I can see you, know you're, join me down, run down here, run down here, it wouldn't be so far away, come on, come on, Jordan, you too, buddy, there you go, amen, amen, how about down, how about both Giambanco guys, okay, not the old one, the young ones, join us, amen. Amen. Mr. Devlamic, get up here. Come on up. Amen. Beautiful. Come on, stand before this whole, stand before this whole congregation. Look at these good-looking dudes that we have in service this morning. Some of Lakeside's finest. Amen. Amen. What do young men need to come into their lives? Huh? What do they need to come into their lives? Huh? 
Somebody say, Jesus. well, well, we'll make sure Jesus is in their lives. But right now, I want a drill sergeant to come into their lives. Frank Mistretta, who was a drill sergeant in the army. Amen. Give Frank a hand here this morning. Amen. Beautiful. Frank, you've got these young bucks up here. What would a drill sergeant say to them right now? What would a drill sergeant have them do? In good language or what? <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I didn't have very good language when I was a drill instructor, but, uh, but God blessed me anyway. Uh, you know, it's been said that you ask any serviceman the name of his drill instructor, and he'll know it. That's how well-liked we were. <laughs> All right, fellas, attention. Let me see you. Stand tall. Attention. Put your arms down. Put your legs together. All right, pastor asked me if I'd have you do some push-ups. Before that, I'm going to ask you to jog in place right now. Group, tench, hot, jog in place right now. Come on, jog right there. Pick them up. Pick them up. <clears throat> higher, higher. Come on, you monko. <clears throat> All right, drop and give me five push-ups. Drop now. <clears throat> yeah, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. I didn't tell you to get up, drop, go push-ups. Keep more, more. All right, guys, on your feet. At ease. Thank you. Give Frank and the guys a real hand. Good job, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amen. Great guys. Great guys. Amen. Appreciate that. Now, when a drill instructor does that, is, does he do it because he hates the men that are serving under him? Is it because he wants to make their life miserable? No. Why does he do that? Why does he have them go through such strenuous exercise, such strenuous methods? Why? Why? Because he wants them victorious in battle. He wants them not only to survive, but to thrive with victory. And after doing all to stand, be last man standing is the one that wins the battle. And that's what God does in our lives. When we come into a trial, when we come into a, tr a test, understand and know that God often allows trials, even if it comes from hell to bring overall spiritual growth within our lives. He wants to produce a faith that keeps going no matter what. A faith that keeps standing in God confidence. A faith that doesn't give up no matter what. Paul the Apostle said this. Get a hold of this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. But we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. And if I can insert it, we keep standing. I love that about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a finisher. Remember, 
in the shadow of the headman's axe, the Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Write it down when we keep standing for God by trusting Him in our troubles. The result is more than spiritual growth. Uh, the result is we give God great glory. We give God great glory. What's your purpose in life? Huh? Were you born to, to take up space? Huh? Were you born to just to eat food? Some think they are. Were you born just to make money and spend money? To be a consumer? What is your purpose in life? The last verse in the book of Psalms, the biggest book in the Bible, aptly describes it. Uh, Let everything that hath breath uh, praise the Lord. You were purposed to give God glory. You're not the potter. You're the clay. You're not the creator. You're the creation. You have been purposed to give glory unto God. One of the greatest ways that we give God glory is when we keep standing in the storm. When we keep standing against the winds of adversity, problems, and trials. We keep standing against a popular opinion and we stand up for Jesus. No matter the cost. No matter the price that we pay. Standing. Standing. When we keep standing. Acts chapter 6 verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin, they looked intently at Stephen. And what did they see? They saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Stephen was glowing with the glory of God. God allows us at times to go through troubles, trials, tragedies, and tribulation so that people can see the glory. When you keep standing up for Jesus... Though you've lost your job, though you've lost your health, though you've lost your spouse or a loved one, and you keep standing for Jesus no matter what, they see the glory. They want to know <laughs> what's different about you. They want to know how can you keep a, a, a life of confidence? How are you able to keep it all together? How are you able to keep a smile on your face in the midst of the storm? They see the glory. They see the glory. Paul would later write that, that these bodies uh, are like jars of clay. And God, the Holy Spirit within us, His glory is revealed in these jars of clay. I don't know about you, the older I get, uh, I see some cracks in my jars of, my jar of clay. <laughs> I'm seeing some age spots. I've got, I've contracted furniture disease. My chest has been falling into my drawers lately. Uh, I see some cracks, but cracks are okay. I said, cracks are okay in the jar of clay. The issue is, can they see the glory? More cracks means more glory. <laughs> the Bible says, though the outward man perishes, uh, though the outward man gets older, uh, the inner man, the inner woman is being renewed from glory to glory. Take a look at Sister Clark, dear Madeline Clark. She's a sweetheart of mine back here. A giant in the faith. 
If you were to look on the outward, if you were to look on the natural woman, she walks a bit stooped. There's cracks in the jar of clay, but more cracks mean more glory. And I don't know of anyone that can see more glory in anybody but in Madeline Clark. Amen? Amen. If you want somebody to pray for you, if you want somebody to seek the throne of God for you, if you want somebody, somebody to press into God's presence for your need, uh, don't go to somebody working out at Lifetime Fitness. Go to, to a, a dear gray-haired woman in this church who might walk a, a little stoop, but she's a giant with God. She's mighty in the things of God. She gives God glory. That's what God is looking for. By the way, you might have some cracks in your clay jar, in your pot. Yeah, you might be a cracked pot. More cracks, more glory. Hallelujah. There it is. There it is. God allows us to walk through the valley of trouble and trial often so that He might receive glory in the process as the world sees you Keep standing. Keep standing. You're standing through the trial, through the trouble. Amen. Whatever you're going through today, keep standing. Don't give up. Don't give up. I love the story of Martin Luther. Martin Luther never wanted to leave the Catholic Church. Martin Luther never wanted to harm the Catholic Church. Martin Luther wanted to reform and renew the Catholic Church. Martin Luther wanted to bring the Catholic Church back to the pure Word of God instead of the traditions of man. And when he stood before the high Catholic tribunal, they threatened him with imprisonment. They threatened him with banishment. They threatened him with poverty. They even threatened him with death. But he stood before him and said, I will not, I cannot recant. Here I stand. And he kept standing. And you and I are here this morning. We are here this morning in a Protestant church, a Bible-believing church, because somebody took a stand for God. Martin Luther, how many have read the story of Corey Tinboom, The Hiding Place? Decades ago, the Billy Graham Association published her book, The Hiding Place. Corey Tinboom, that dear Dutch woman that had a hiding place in her house, be like a panic room today, but not a place for her to escape to. It was a place for the Jews that she was safeguarding, safekeeping from the Nazis. Because she knew about the godless regime of the Nazis. And she knew that she had to keep standing for God no matter what. There comes a point where man's law is not God's law. And you need to know the difference. And you need to stand up for righteousness. We'll talk about that later on. She took a stand in her day. She hid the Jews. And then the Nazis found out. They arrested Corey Tenboom. She would later go to a Nazi concentration death camp. There she would see her sister abused, molested. Her sister died tragically. And she survived to tell the story. 
As she was being abused and maltreated in solitary confinement, she was asked, how did you make it through that horrendous nightmare of solitary confinement? She said, each day I would get up off of my bed and I would stand in my cell of, my jail cell of solitary confinement. I would stand uh, before the Lord and I would open my mouth and I would begin to sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross she said that kept my sanity that kept my faith as I kept standing 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 for our Lord no matter what if Martin Luther can do it if the Apostle Paul can do it if Corey Ten Boom can do it you and I can do it in the name of Jesus amen when you stand up when you stand up for Jesus, when you keep standing up for our Lord, it's never half-hearted. It's not lukewarm. It's not a milk-toast, namby-pamby, mediocre experience. Others might lose heart. Others might throw in the towel and go A-W-O-L. But overcomers persist. They endure. They persevere no matter what. I remind you again, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. There's been all kinds of great starters, Samson, Solomon, Judas, but God looks at how you're going to finish. Keep standing. Keep standing. Don't lose heart. Let me talk to my seniors. For many seniors, the most tempting, the most uh, horrendous battle that you will face will be in the closing chapters of your life. Keep standing no matter what. Be like the Apostle Paul who said, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. Believers who keep standing in faith, they lock their jaws. They hold on to the promises of God. They stand upon the promises of God. One of the greatest things that you can do in the hour of trial, trouble, and tribulation is to take a stand and open your mouth in the hour of trial and keep standing on the promises of God and keep declaring, if God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against me can prosper. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Uh, uh, greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. Take your stand upon the promises of God. We used to sing a song in the church, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God. The Bible says all the, all, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's thousands of promises that God has given us, Christian. And not only stand upon the promises, stand on the character of God. You have a God, a Lord, who has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of this age. You have a Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord thy God, and I change not, our Father has said. Stand on his holy character. He's not like Michigan weather. He's not changeable. He loves you with an everlasting love. Trust in that. Have God confidence in that. And keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing. 
When I talk about keep standing, when I talk about perseverance, endurance, perseverance is Jesus hanging from the cross. Jesus went the distance for you and I. Bleeding from His hands, bleeding from His feet, bleeding from His side, bleeding from His head. Uh, our Lord lifted up His blood-soaked face and He lifted it up towards heaven, towards a, a black, dark, midnight hour. And what did He shout out? It is finished! He went the distance for you. What is finished? The plan of redemption is finished. Sickness and sin are finished. <laughs> the enemy is finished. Death, hell, and the grave are finished. And Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Secondly, keep standing with the right attitude. It's one thing to stand in faith. It's a whole other thing to have the right attitude when you're standing. Write it down. Real contentment. Real contentment is the ability to be joyful despite your circumstances. I often minister to people that are in the grip of depression because circumstances and other people are not going their way. People that are in the quagmire of despair, disillusionment, dis discouragement, disappointment, depression, are often there because it's a self-chosen place. They are upset that things are not going their way, circumstances are not going their way, and people are not going their way. And they're only happy when all of those things come together and go their way. Of course, these kind of people are never happy. Of course, these people relegate themselves to lives that are marked by misery, mediocrity, mundane living. I I've learned that if you lose your joy, if you lose your joy every time you run into trouble, the enemy is just going to continue to attack you. He'll make sure, he'll make sure that you'll have somebody who will irritate you and that circumstances will never go your way. But listen to God's Word. See, this is why it's important to stand upon the Word of the Lord. Romans 8.28, Paul said, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. The psalmist said, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by who? Ordered by who? By who? Then why do you say, why is this happening to me? I want you to know the trouble that you're walking through right now has not shocked, surprised, or astonished the Lord. He knew about it before the beginning of time. Every step in your life, every hour of your day is written in His book. Your destiny has been ordered by God. He is in control. He's on the throne, and everything's going to be all right. So that when you face and confront adverse circumstances, when you run smack dab into trouble, 
Be confident. He's aware of your circumstances. He's confident that he's in control. Every day you live with a negative attitude because of people and circumstances. That's a day that's wasted. You see, ad adversities, trouble, problems are not only a test of our faith, they're also a test of our joy, our attitude. Let's go back to Sunday School 101. Most of you were not raised in Sunday School. That's what makes my job very difficult. That's why I try to include a Bible story every time I preach. Let's go back to Sunday School 101. Here's the question. Are we ready? Bible quiz time. Who led the children of Israel? Who led the Israelites to a place where the water was undrinkable, that it, it was bitter? Who led Israel to a place where there was no water? Who led Israel to a place where there was no food? Who led Israel to a place where her enemies were there to ambush her? Who led Israel to a place of giants and giant cities with great walls? Who led Israel to the Red Sea? The waters before them, Pharaoh's army behind them, no way out. Who led Israel to all those places? Now, did you hear a division of the house? Did you hear how many people said, Moses? Moses didn't lead them. God led them. Moses was just following his heavenly GPS. Moses was following God's orders and directions. And man, God was moving so fast, Moses was trying to play catch up with him. That's right. God led the people to those places. And why did God lead them to those places? To test their attitude. Their attitude. The Bible says that in the final diagnosis, when the people of God finally rebelled for the last time and said, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go back to Egypt. God said, ten times these people have tested me. What was their favorite pastime activity? When God would test them in attitude. What was their fa the famous pastime activity that they would always resort to? Complaining. You heard, about, you heard about the monk that made a vow of silence at a monastery of silence. Well, they were given... Let me fall back a bit here. They, they were, every year they were allowed to speak two words. Two words. Went through a whole year of complete silence, this monk, and he was brought out before the tribunal, and they said, okay, it's time for you to speak your two words. And he said, hard bed. Went through a whole another 12 months of silence, came back for his second two words, looked the tribunal in the eye and said, bad food. A whole nother year passed by, and uh, uh, now he appears before uh, that panel uh, of distinguished uh, honoraries, and he said, I quit. They leaned over their desk, and they looked this monk in the eye, and they said, you might as well. All you do is complain anyway. Israel's 
response to testing and trouble and trial, even though God led them there, was always complaining. But it doesn't have to be. Does it not have to be? Does not have to be the epitaph of your life. What was God desiring? What was God anxiously looking for in His people? When He led them to a place of bitter water, when He led them to a, to a place of no food, when He led them to a place where their enemies were lying in wait for them, what was God wanting to see His people do? He was wanting to see them lift up their hands and lift up their heads and lift up their voices and began to thank the Lord. Lord, uh, we don't know what you're going to do. Lord, we don't know when you're going to do it or how you're going to do it. But God, we just want to thank you that somehow, some way, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Oh God, you're going to break through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God was looking for. That's what God was desiring. Thanksgiving praise. Write it down to maintain your joy when you're confronted by problems. It's imperative to keep standing up with thanksgiving. To keep standing up with thanksgiving. You might be in a wheelchair this morning. You might be bent over and barely made it in on a walker this morning. You might be bound up with a plaster cast from the hips down on both legs. This, you might be bound in a hospital bed this morning. And you cannot, you cannot, you cannot physically stand up on the outside. I declare to you upon the authority of God's holy word, no matter what, you can always stand up on the inside. And keep standing. And keep your joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. <laughs> so my word to you this morning, uh, no matter the financial reversal, no matter the marital problem, no matter the, the difficulty in your health, no matter the crisis that you are facing, stay up, uh, stand up, keep standing on the inside. Keep standing on the inside. The winds uh, of the storms of Satan might blow and buffet your soul. Keep standing. Keep standing. Keep standing no matter what. And watch God get all the glory. And the miracle. God's favor comes showering through. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Give him. He's looking for thanksgiving. Not my word, God's word. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in everything. Not some things. Everything. Give what? Thanks. For this is God's desire. No, God's will. For you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving is a big deal with God. Listen, stop looking at what you don't have and, and, and stop complaining about what you don't have and start thanking God for what you do have. Listen, quit taking inventory of everything that's wrong in your life and start thanking God for everything that's right in your life. Are you with me in this? But pastor, you should see the car I drove in this morning. That rickety, squeaking, uh, uh, groaning, uh, squealing uh, bag of bolts that's so rusty it needs a tetanus shot. You should see what I drove in with this morning, pastor, just to make it to church. Listen, listen, my dear brother or sister, hear me in this. 
I've had the opportunity to minister around the world, and I know dear saints, dear saints that have to ride the bus all the time, the subway all the time, bicycles all the time, and most that I've ministered around the world, they walk all the time, and they would love to have your beat-up old car. They would love to have it. They'd feel like a rich man or woman. Well, pastor, you don't understand my situation. My husband is so lazy. Him and his big fat, well, he reclines in that lazy boy. He doesn't do anything I want him to do. And I don't even enjoy his company. Do you know how many people we minister to as pastors that are desperately lonely? They would do anything to enjoy the company of someone at dinner tonight. I know some people that will set two place settings at the table. I know women that will light a candle, two place settings, and they will sit there and eat all alone and dream about someone to be there to enjoy their company, their conversation. Your spouse may not be perfect. There's not a one that there is. And if Becky was in here, she'd say the loudest amen. Your spouse may not be perfect, but you need to change your attitude in the name of Jesus. And start thanking God that you've got somebody to share life with. Start thanking God for what you have in Him or her. That's right. Focus on the strengths. Focus on the positives. Let God take care of the rest. And you ain't God. I said, you ain't God. You committed to God. You trust Him. And you keep standing with your marriage. You keep standing with your family. We minister to parents that perpetually complain about their children. Those dirty little rug rats. I'm always cleaning up after their messes and those stinking diapers. And, oh, I, I'm just worn out there driving me nuts. Do you realize how often Pastor Hal and I have prayed with dear couples at this altar that would do anything to have a child? They would gladly clean up the messes of your children. They've spent multiple thousands of dollars just to have a child. And some, unless there's a miracle, there's no children. Complaining. Complaining. Everyone has a reason 
to complain, and everyone has a reason to give God thanks. I don't know about you. As for me and my house, we're going to give thanksgiving unto the Lord. We're going to keep standing with praise and thanksgiving. We're going to stand up and not count the things that we don't have, but thank the Lord for the things that we do have and rejoice in Him. If you got out of bed this morning and your heart was pumping and you had a pulse rate and your lungs were breathing and your name wasn't in the obituary column, hallelujah, it's going to be an awesome day for this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and we will be found glad in it. Listen, if you have a roof over your head, stats tell us that you're better off than 75% of the world's population. If you're alive and well today, you're better off than a million people that will die this week around the world. If you have $15 in your wallet, your purse, or a a change jar at home, you are in the top 8% of the world's wealthy. Honey, sir, ma'am, young person, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle? Then read the story of the book of Jonah in the Bible. Jonah was swallowed by a great fish, not a whale, a great fish. It is the Old Testament version of Jaws. Jonah was in rebellion and disobedience to the call of God in his life. So God, in his love, sent a wake-up call to Jonah. He sent a great fish to Jonah. And Jonah, in the book of Jonah, in chapter 2, is caught in the slimy, stinky, belly of that great fish and he's prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing has happened until verse 9 what do we read in verse 9 Jonah says I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving bam the great fish spat Jonah out on the seashore he's covered with the acids from the underlying belly of that great fish He's bleached white from head to foot. It's no wonder when he lifted up his bony hand, this bleached white prophet, when he lifted up a bony hand in Nineveh and he said, Repent! They all repented. They were freaked out. Amen. It happened when he decided to give the voice of thanksgiving, determining to be thankful even in troubles and trials is expressing the highest degree of faith. Did you know that? Don't wait for the miracle. Don't wait for the healing. Don't wait for the breakthrough. Thank the Lord now. Thank the Lord now for the victory before you even fight the battle. We were at our cottage Monday night, and I was driving out there to do some uh, summertime evening fishing, and then I got told the news that half of Edify, our young adult ministry, was showing up at our cottage on the bequest and invitation of my youngest, my daughter, Jenny. The place is filled with these young adults. And uh, they wanted to go on the jet skis. They wanted to go on the lily. They wanted to play water volleyball. They wanted to do, you know, and so uh, dad, pastor, is running around like a chicken with its head cut off, and we're serving and entertaining. Becky made tacos. This big, the island was filled with taco, uh, uh, you know, ingredients to make tacos. And I mean, those kids can eat. 
wow, can they eat? And then they started this chant. They started chanting. That's right. They started chanting. And most of my Lakeside family will understand this chant. They started chanting, Becky's brownies, Becky's brownies, Becky's brownies, Becky's brownies. We laughed, and, and sure enough, sure enough, because they must have been smelling them, she had them made there, and she lifted up the tinfoil, and there they were, and uh, I, I went to go and get one, and there wasn't one left. <laughs> to catch you up, what am I talking about? I enjoy Becky's brownies, my wife's brownies the most, while they're baking, because I'm smelling them. And as I'm smelling them, I'm already tasting them. As I'm smelling them, I'm already experiencing them. I am already rejoicing in the brownie as I smell it. You need to smell your miracle. You need to get excited about your breakthrough. God's Word says He wants to bless you. The Word of the Lord is, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, Jeremiah 29, 11. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. If God has said it, I believe it, I receive it, and that settles it. So right now, before I see my miracle, I'm going to smell it. <laughs> I'm going to get excited about it, and I'm going to begin thanking Him for it before it ever comes into my mouth. Hallelujah. That's the kind of faith that God is looking for. That's the kind of attitude that God is desiring. Will he see his people in the middle of the trial and the trouble lifting up their hands and thanking him that he's on the throne and everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. There it is. There it is. Write it down. People and circumstances may knock you down on the outside, but we can determine to keep standing on the inside no matter what. Paul said in Ephesians 6, verse 13, And when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. To stand. Lastly, determine to keep standing for God. Write it down. Every Bible-believing church and Christian is called by God to keep standing for righteousness. When man's laws violate God's law. When man's law violates God's law. I want to remind you, upon the authority of God's holy scripture, the Supreme Court of the United States of America is not, is not, is not God's law. Never has been, never will be. This past week, for example, this past week, there has been a holy moral outrage in American culture, both on social media and on the main media news outlets. There has been a high holy moral outrage over a dentist by the name of Walter Palmer who shot and killed a lion by the name of Cecil. Now, I, I, you know, I could only shoot a lion if he threatened my family. I'm not getting the details of that. It's, it's not my thing. Supposedly, uh, he, he did it all legally. 
or was misled. That's not the point. My point is the high and holy moral outrage over Cecil the lion being killed. And if it's not that, it, you know, a couple of weeks before, two attorneys went to court in New York City to establish full legal human rights for chimpanzees and zoos because they're so similar to us on the evolutionary tree. And if it's not that, it's we can't build a dam in Tennessee because of a salamander. And if it's not that, we shouldn't eat a certain brand of, of tuna because uh, dolphins have been killed in the nets. Now, uh, I am not anti-environmental. Uh, that, that is not my point here. My point is the outrage. The outrage. It's a high and holy moral outrage on the defense of animals. My point is this. Where is the outrage over abortion? Every day, every day, every day, these unborn children are being sacrificed on the altar largely of convenience. They're murdered in their mother's womb. Since 1973, more than 50 million unborn children have been murdered through the sugar-coated term of abortion, and their cries have reached the high court of heaven. More have been killed. In fact, 30 times more than all the men and women killed in all the wars these United States have ever fought. It is an unimaginable holocaust. Far worse. We've exceeded the Nazis of Germany. You might not want to hear it, but it's the plain truth. You may want to put your hands over your ears right now, but do you know what the abortionist does? When the abortionist reaches inside the mother's womb in the second trimester and takes the, 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 the forceps and begins tearing the little baby apart, part by part by part. And now the horror. I'm getting down to my point. Now the unimaginable nightmarish horror this past week. Cecil the Lion is all over the news. Cecil the Lion on newspaper headlines. Cecil the Lion on the front page of Yahoo. Pictures of Cecil everywhere. And the major news media outlets refuse to communicate to the American public that four videos, four videos have been taken of Planned Parenthood, four uncontestable videos proving, 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 proof positive that Planned Parenthood is selling unborn baby parts for profit, for money. To labs, stem cell research, biological firms, and then to add horror upon horror, last night it was reported, check me out, Google it, and you'll get all kinds of information. Now, on, they reported it on CNN. God bless CNN, and I'm not usually saying God bless CNN, believe me, for allowing this to, to be uh, uh, exposed. Now, 
it's coming out that the videos prove that many of the babies survived the abortion procedure. They were birthed. They were birthed alive. And they were allowed to lie there and die. And then they dissected them and they sold off their parts. Again, you might want to put your hands over your ears, but that's the problem in the church today. We want to look the other way. We want to put our head in the sand instead of standing up for righteousness. The psalmist said this in Psalms, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. And they shed innocent blood. uh, The blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. The land was polluted with blood. The land was polluted with blood. We wonder about the school place shootings. We wonder about the workplace shootings. We wonder about going to the mall anymore, going to a movie at the movie theater, or even coming to church. We, 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 we make expressions like, it wasn't like this when I was growing up. We didn't have this stuff going on when I was growing up. Every night we watch the news and somebody's been shot. Some serial killer has murdered. Some mass shooting has taken place. Why? Why is there a spirit of homicide in the land? We have opened up the gates of hell through abortion, this unimaginable holocaust. We have polluted the land with blood. We We have raised a young generation on abortion as being the law of the land. We have uh, allowed them, a young generation, to cut their teeth on the truth that life is cheap. Life is not sacred. Life is a throwaway item. Body parts to be sold to the highest bidder. We've polluted the land with blood. And it's going to take... It's going to take holy men and holy women of God. Just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when everybody was told to bow, they kept standing. They stood up for God. They stood up for righteousness. Church, Lakeside, uh, will you stand up for Jesus? Will you stand up for righteousness? In this dark hour, will you shout at the darkness? We shout like the apostles and say we ought to obey God rather than man. And it's about time that the salt of the earth, it's about time that we who are called to be the light in the world start being the light and start shouting at the darkness. What's going to happen on Judgment Day when the Lord asks you the question, I allowed you to grow up as a citizen of the United States of America, the greatest democracy ever to be witnessed on planet Earth. You had the opportunity to petition. You had the opportunity to protest. You had the opportunity to write your congressman, your senator, to write the president. You had the opportunity to vote. Did you do it? Did you stand up for righteousness? Did you do what you could do to make a difference? I'm so proud of my Lakeside family. Can this pastor guess that are here this morning, can I brag about our Lakeside family here? Do you know that uh, practically every Sunday, I have two, two 
beautiful single adults that drive church vans to the, the home of unwed mothers and, and to bring them to church every single Sunday so that they can not only hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but rejoice in our fellowship. Do you know that this church every year puts on a big give for unwed mothers and, and, and blesses them with a shower, blesses them not only, not only with things, but to let them know that uh, God forgives, that they can have a life of dignity, that we're here for them. We believe in them. They're important. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And when you make a difference with one, You've made a difference. Amen? Will you stand up? Will you keep standing up for righteousness? Amen? Every Bible-believing church and Christian is called by God to keep standing. Amen? Jesus said in Matthew 18, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that they're angels in heaven. Always see the face of my Father in heaven. Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Write it down. We can't keep silent on abortion or other issues of our times that are directly contrary to God's Word. We must, we must keep standing for righteousness. Do you stand for something? Do people know it at work? Do they know it at school? Do they know it in community? Do they know it in your family circle that you stand for God's law? You stand for God's Word? You stand for righteousness? We must keep standing for righteousness. We must be a people, write it down, of conviction. Are you a person of conviction? Are you convinced that it's not psychology, it's not self-improvement, it's not positive thinking that will really change a person's life? Are you convinced that there's only one way to beat, cheat, and defeat eternal death and enjoy the indescribable thrill of eternal life in heaven? Are you convinced that good intentions, good words, or good works will not get you into heaven? Are you convinced that an expensive embalming job, a rosewood casket, or an eloquent eulogy won't change your eternal destiny. Somebody praying for the dead can't pray you into heaven. Are you convinced that Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, and a statue of Mary, Mother Mary on the dashboard of your Buick won't save your eternal soul? Are you convinced? Are you convinced? that only one shed his blood upon the cross of Calvary. Only one tasted death that you might live. Only one conquered death that we might never die. That there's only one at whose name the demons flee, the angels bow. We must have the conviction that salvation is found in no other name in heaven or in earth where might we might be saved. And that name is Jesus. I want to remind you this morning that Jesus stood up for us. When He hung upon the cross, He stood up for us. And He kept standing. He went the distance. He said, if the Son of Man, if the Son of Man be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. When Satan put that Satan stone on the tomb, when Satan put that Satan seal 
on the tomb of Jesus. Jesus didn't keep uh, laying there. Jesus didn't stay dead, but Jesus stood up uh, in resurrection life. He burst the bonds of death, hell, and the grave, and he went to heaven shouting glory. The Bible says that as the stones were hurled at Stephen, as they stoned Stephen to death for his faith in Christ Jesus his Lord, the Bible says in Acts chapter 7 that the heavens were opened up and Stephen full of the Holy Spirit. He looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing, standing at the right hand of God. Jesus should be seated, but Jesus is standing up because a hero of the faith is coming home stand with me this morning quietly stand with me this morning quietly hallelujah there's coming a day there's coming a day there's coming a day and it could be very soon uh, you might be walking uh, in your home you might be walking in your office place you might be walking at school it's gonna happen so quick uh, one foot will be on terra firma and the next foot will be on streets of gold it might be in the morning it might be at noon. It might be in the evening. All I know is going to happen soon. Hear me in this. And as you keep standing in the faith for Jesus Christ and remain unbent, unbowed by troubles and trials, as you keep standing in the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, as you keep standing for righteousness and every chance you get, speak out speak out against the ungodly laws that are being made today the ungodly x-rated culture we're raising our children into as you speak out and stand up for righteousness my bible and your bible says that when you enter into glory jesus who is seated at the right hand of the father jesus will stand up for you and he will say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of the Lord. Father, they're one of mine. Welcome home, my child. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, we ask and pray even right now. Oh God, oh God. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, and knock upon heart's doors. Come, sweet Holy Spirit, and call us to that place in you. Call us, O oh Lord, to know you as Savior, the lover of our soul. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And I will do this quickly this morning. I was not going to give this invitation, but I'm sensing a check of the Holy Spirit and I want to be obedient you're here this morning and you're not right with God you're here this morning and you're not sure that you have a home in heaven and you want to be sure his heads are bowed eyes are closed and no one is looking around if you want to be right with God if you want to know that you know you have a home in heaven and your sins are forgiven
I'm going to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in that prayer, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would like to be included in my prayer that I'm about to pray, lift up your hand right now. Lift it up as a sign of your faith. Lift it up. If you want to go on record rejecting God, then keep it down. But if you want to go on record by faith, accepting Jesus as your Savior, lift it up high for Jesus. God bless you. Sir, I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? How many more? Balcony in the main floor. How many more? Lift it up high so that I can see it. I don't want to leave anyone out. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. There's room at the cross for you, though millions have come. There's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. And we have one this morning that has his hand raised by faith. Let's pray. All of us pray this prayer I'm about to pray, especially you that have your hand raised. Put your heart into what you're about to pray. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now and I confess I've sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. Save me from my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. I believe you paid the price for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for saving me. In the name of Jesus, I pray this. Amen.